Buongiorno, film fans! How the heck are ya? It's the Second Day Film Podcast, the official podcast of the Second Day Film Club. It is Wednesday, May 15th, 2019, and we are finally back and ready to talk about some movies. I'm your host, Brandon Champion, and yes, I know, it's been an extended absence. Uh, In fact, April was the first month since we started the pod back in February of 2018 uh, that we haven't done a show. Um, Really? But as they say, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and I promise that we have good excuses. Uh, I'm joined today by my co-host, Mr. Evan Dean, uh, who I also haven't talked to in a while. So uh, how the heck are you, man? The warm weather looks like it might be here to stay. I know. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been really nice. I've uh, been doing well, man. There's uh, a lot hitting theaters now. Um, but, you know, like you said, you've had a good excuse. I mean, a few weeks ago, <laughs> a few weeks ago now, we had your wedding. Oh, and, uh, yes. well, you were gone for what seemed like two and a half weeks over in Italy. Yes, yes. I did get married. I'm very happy. Uh, Congratulations. Officially for, on the pod. Yes, officially. Thank you. Um, yeah, and then we went on a two and a half week honeymoon in Italy. Uh, we went to Rome, we went to Pompeii, the Amalfi Coast, Florence, Venice. Uh, so it was quite an adventure. We did a lot of all the touristy things, you know, went on the gondola, wine tasting in Tuscany, uh, went and checked out the Colosseum in Rome. It was a fantastic time. Let me tell you, Italy is a magnificent, beautiful country. I would recommend everyone to go check it out, especially if you're into history, yeah. culture, good food. Um, it, it was a lot of money, a lot of travel. It was a long trip back, um, but we, ha- we had an absolutely wonderful time. But I must say, <laughs> it just so happened that I inadvertently went in April, which ended up this year being like a prime time. You know, we had, we had Game of Thrones final season. Oh, yeah. We had Avengers Endgame. We had the NFL draft that I missed. Just I don't even know who the, who the Lions take. I don't know. Some they, tight uh, end, right? Yeah, TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> yeah. They took another tight end, yeah. damn it. So, uh, you know, I've been out the loop a little bit, but I'm catching up now. I've caught up on Game of Thrones. Yeah. I went and saw Avengers. So it was a great trip. No regrets, but uh, I did miss doing the pod with you, buddy. Yeah, so. man. I mean, it's, you know, we, look, we've we've done the pod. We've maintained it. As you said, we've had a pod every month since we started this thing, which would have been, what, 14 months at least. About. Yeah. And uh, we've gone through some kind of low points where there isn't a lot to see, but now there is a lot to see. Right. So it's only appropriate that we jump back in with... You know, three really big reviews this week. Yeah, yeah. Coming up on, on today's show, we're going to talk about uh, some three pretty big releases, yeah. two of which have been out for a while that, like I said, we need to catch up on. One that came out recently, uh, and you might have heard of it, it's a little film called Avengers Endgame. Yeah. So we'll be spending the bulk of the pod talking about that. Um, but before we do that, it's been a while, so Evan, uh, why don't you remind the good folks uh, how they can get in touch with us on social media. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got everything you could think of in terms of social media. Facebook's the go-to. That's the best way to interact with us. That's the best way to talk with us. You can like the page there. We've also got uh, Twitter. We've got Instagram. You can send us an email, secondayfilm at gmail.com. You can listen in at iTunes and also at SoundCloud. And we really appreciate any way you can get in touch with us and any way you can help uh, share this with us. And, you know, Champ, we've been talking about all these big releases. You know, Disney has been on a roll lately. They've got Toy Story 4 coming out this summer, but they also have three live actions, uh, remakes of what were originally animated films, uh, Dumbo, Aladdin, and Lion King, all coming out this summer. And uh, Dumbo actually just came out about a month ago now, and you had the chance to see that. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. It seems like forever ago when I saw this movie, yeah. but I still haven't had a chance to talk about it on the pod, and it's still in theaters uh, somewhere and hasn't hit DVD yet, so uh, still a movie maybe people are trying to check out. So Dumbo, yes, this is a movie I was very excited to see. The trailers looked awesome, uh, just from a visual standpoint. No surprise, as it's directed by Mr. Tim Burton, who's perhaps one of the most visionary directors yeah. working today. The plot somewhere in IMDb, you know it, but... A young elephant whose oversized ears enable him to fly helps save a struggling circus. But when the circus plans a new venture, Dumbo and his friends discover dark secrets beneath its shiny veneer. Uh, This film stars an ensemble cast led by Colin Farrell, Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Ava Green, Alan Arkin, uh, and others. So yeah, like I said, live-action remake of Disney's 1941 classic, uh, Dumbo. Um, if there's one thing that this film does great, 
Um, it's the visual flair of Tim Burton. Yeah. No surprise. Tim Burton's uh, touch is all over this thing with these elaborate circus tents and circus trains rolling through the countryside. You know, the set designs are incredible. The production design is especially awesome, uh, especially in the second half of the movie when they get to this place called Dreamland. Um, you know, that's expected with Tim Burton, but it's beautifully brought to life. Albeit, some of the stuff that you see in the movie is probably unrealistic for the time period uh, that they're actually trying to, this is set in. So, uh, you know, this is the golden age of the traveling circuses in the 50s and yeah. in between the wars and or after the war. Or maybe it's, I think it's actually in between the wars. Yeah, it would have been, been after World War II. It, yeah, it's somewhere, well, I, yeah, it's somewhere in there. Yeah, after World War II, yeah. So actually Colin Farrell's character is coming back from the war and he's okay. uh, in this. But, so yeah, based on the original 1941 Dumbo, um, and that movie is really short. It's only 64 minutes long. Um, and actually, in reading about the original Dumbo, it was really just meant to recoup the losses that Disney incur incurred from Fantasia, uh, which, of course, was the musical movie that is wonderful and amazingly animated and great soundtrack. But the concept didn't really hit with people uh, way back in the 1930s you know, when they tried to release Fantasia. Um, so this was supposed to be a simple, quick money grab. Um, and because of that, I was really excited for this movie because the original Dumbo was a relatively simple story. You know, I felt like there was a lot of ways that they could take this story. They could, um, there was room to expand on the story and, and create maybe more, it could be almost more of a sequel than just a straight remake. Absolutely. Um, so I was looking forward to that. And also in the original Dumbo, there's not really people in the first one. It's really just Dumbo and his mom and animal characters and storks. There's not human... Shadowy, shadowy figures uh, <laughs> yeah. know, nailing down the circus tent. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Night. There's just the people who work at the circus. Yeah, They're not like it. actual characters. So, and I think in, in a big live-action release like this, obviously you need people to drive the plot. So all those actors I just mentioned, you know, they come in. But, uh, so, I've got some other thoughts, and I want to give it, but have you seen the original Dumbo? What's sort of your yeah. relationship with so, it? So, okay, so I, in anticipation for seeing this, uh, my wife and I rented it, um, and I don't remember exactly why, but we only were able to get through part of it, which is saying something, because it's such a short film, it's an hour and four minutes, but, um, but yeah, we, we look, we, I, I know, like, I've seen chunks of it here and there, I don't think I've actually sat and watched it all from start to finish, which again is surprising because short attention span. I know, it's an hour long. <laughs> I know, but 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 uh, you know, you're saying this was just a money grab. Well, this ended up being a massive hit, and the the themes within the movie uh, of of this this the elephant, one, yeah. yeah, the original. Yeah. Uh, you said it just meant was meant to be a money grab to bounce back from Fantasia, but the themes that came with it, the way it pulled on people's heartstrings, the way that it. It, 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 you know, carried through this character, this elephant who was rejected and spurned by everybody, but had this unique quality that made him great. I think that says something for everybody, every kid, every adult. You know, you might not be like everybody else, but you have something unique about you, and that makes you great. And that was such a, a great theme that resonated through the test of time with, with, with Dumbo. But what's interesting about Dumbo is... If you watch, say, the new Lion King uh, trailers, you can see like it's a straight remake. Mm -hmm. You know, they're they're pulling very particular scenes from the animated film for the live action. And to your point, the challenge here, I would imagine, is taking a movie like Dumbo, which the 1940s version was so simple, there wasn't a whole lot of a story, mm -hmm. and now here you can't remake that on in and of itself like you can some of the other Disney animated films of later years right with this you have to build a new or expanded at the very least an expanded story exactly and um you know I, I i actually really liked this movie i enjoyed it and i was excited about that prospect from the sounds of it some other people did not like that about the movie they wanted sort of like a tight small movie where i was excited about the prospects of building on the world and having a new one so a couple things i really liked about this movie the opening sequence um, is with Casey Jr., who is the circus train. If you've seen the original one, there's the Casey Jr.'s coming down the track. So in this one, there's not actual singing, but it's just like a map, and there's old circus tickets and posters popping up, and you just see the train, and it's just like... Nah, 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 nah. So it's just like a... And it's, it's a really fun way to start it. It's like Indiana Jones style, where they are doing the checkered line where everyone's going as it's making its way across America. And I just think it's a really, like, fun way to start it. Like, yeah, Casey Jr., let's go, Dumbo, the circus, woo, so great. So I really like that. That was a fun way to start it. Um, 
and I thought they did a good job for the most part in this movie. Um, you know, I think the climax is fun. They they go to this dream world place um, that is run by Michael Keaton, who's which is like this ultra Disneyland type theme park. Um, and, and like I said, it's a little bit unrealistic for the time period. But there's uh, cool scenes in the climax, like Colin Farrell's characters like riding his horse through a burning circus. Um, I thought that the scope of the movie was awesome. People tend, it's from what I've understood, a lot of people didn't like the scope of the movie. They felt it was overstuffed. They felt there was too much characters, too much going on. I loved how they expanded it. There's also these themes in here that I, you mentioned themes in the original Dumbo. There's some of that in this one. It doesn't quite capture the magic and the magic of be yourself, be different that the original Dumbo does. But there is some things, um, there's a lot to be said about dreams and, and hopes and goals. Um, there's these, uh, uh, Colin Farrell's daughter has these dreams of being, um, you know, uh, she, she wants to be a scientist, ironically. <laughs> and she has these pure, wholesome dreams that are fueled by discovery and wonder and hard work. Um, and that's exemplified by the little girl. That's compared to Michael Keaton's character, who also has dreams. He has a theme park called Dreamland. But his dreams are exemplified by manufacturing, greed, impure fake dreams made from greed you know um at the end the dreamland amusement park literally catches on fire and i think that's sort of symbolic of the failure of his impure dreams he's the essentially becomes the villain yes yeah so he has i think that it just says a lot about you know the two different sort of the dangers of being too ambitious yada 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 but also dreaming because that's important for a young girl so i think there's just the two different juxtapositions of that Colin Farrell's daughter, she's this practical, idealistic, scientific-minded girl. I'm not sure how realistic that was for uh, 1920 or 1919 or whenever this was going, but but it was a cool touch, you know, that, about it a lot. So, um, some things I disliked. This movie is relentlessly sad. <laughs> if you watch the original Dumbo, you know there's some sad parts, because Dumbo's getting made fun of, whatever. This movie is sad for, like, the first hour and 15 minutes. It doesn't really let you get that high. There's some really sad, depressing moments, and they'll, they'll lift you up a little bit, but then they'll just drag you right back down. So it's, it's kind of a slog to watch, especially in the first half of the movie, because you have a, an elephant who's being, you know, abused in some ways. His mother's being abused. Uh, you know, the, the, there's these greedy people who are just taking advantage of the animals. And so it's... It's kind of sad to watch, and it's not. it doesn't leave you with a happy feeling a lot of the movie. And also the end sort of ties up a little bit too neatly. Um, in, the, in the original Dumbo, they get their own train car, Dumbo and, their mo and his mom, because he's a special elephant. In this one, they literally smuggle them out of America onto a boat, and there's a scene of them walking freely through the jungle with a herd of other elephants. A little bit tied into a bow, yeah. a little bit too neatly there. So those are some of the knocks I had on it. But overall, I loved the visual flair. I loved Tim Burton's style. Um, I, I liked the ideas that were presented, and I don't know, maybe I'm just a Disney sucker, um, but I ended up giving it a 7 out of 10. Well, I, I, look, I can appreciate that you wanted more than the original provided in terms of a story. This was Disney's fourth film ever. It was 1941 when the original came out. So you remember watching it. It's not your, what you're used to now when it comes to the traditional sense of a film. You know, back then it was appreciated simply for the animation, right. not as much the story. So I'm with you in that regard that I'm glad that they almost had to build up a new story. But I will say one of the constant criticisms with Tim Burton has been He's so stunning visually with what he creates, but the story kind of lacks. Yeah. Meanders, and it's maybe it's overstuffed. You feel like that a little bit? I, I can see where people are coming from, but I guess yeah. it was just so fun for me to watch, and I was just so enveloped in this world that he had created that I didn't mind. I mean, I, there, a movie that came out with him, uh, Alice in Wonderland, that he did. Same thing, visual style. I love the Alice in Wonderland story. Um I didn't like that movie very much at all because it is ridiculous. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, so I can see, I guess, what people are saying, but I don't know what people are expecting. Did they want just like a straight remake of the original? Because that wouldn't have made for a very compelling movie. No, no, it wouldn't. It was, yeah, I mean, it was made 70 plus years ago, almost 80 years ago. So, um, but yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. I'll definitely have to check it out. And, uh, you know, I think to your point, sometimes if a film does something well, does creates a world well, visually is, it does a good job, you're kind of able to forgive it of some of the things maybe it doesn't do as well. Mm -hmm. and, and I'll actually mention that a little bit later in this pod. Yeah. 
So anyways, that's Dumbo. It's the first of three live-action Disney uh, remakes this year. We've got Aladdin coming out this summer and then The Lion King a little bit later. So look forward to that. All right, and now for something completely different from Dumbo. We're moving on to the <laughs> psychological horror thriller film Us. Uh, this movie was directed by Jordan Peele. It came out uh, quite a bit, of, <laughs> bit ago, I think in late March. Uh, but like I said, we're catching up here. Um, the plot summer on IMDb, a family's serene beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. As I said, this movie was directed and written by Jordan Peele. Uh, this film stars Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke, Elizabeth Moss, Tim Heidecker, uh, Shahadi Wright-Joseph, Evan Alex, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, Anna Diop, and some other people. This is Jordan Peele's follow-up to his wildly successful film, Get Out, um, which was Academy Award-nominated, um, was praised all over the place. Um, so, uh, hoping that we didn't avoid the sophomore slump here, at least in uh, Peele's, Peele's case. Um, so, Evan, let me first. Did you see Get Out, and um, do you think this movie compares to that in any ways? I think that there are some underlying themes, underlying messages, um, Jordan Peele has made race a major, major topic and a major point, um, at least in Get Out, and I think there is a little bit of that here. There's, I think there's some underlying themes to do with socioeconomic status. Um, I don't want to get too far in there, but right. um, but yeah, I mean, look, he, he hit one out of the park with Get Out. You loved it. I loved it. I think that um, he, it was a great film, and, and there was so much anticipation for this, and uh I think it was interesting to see, you know, kind of how he did following yeah. up on this. Well, yeah, I mean, I just talked about Dumbo for 10 minutes, so I'm going to toss it to you first. What, what's the first thing that jumped out at you when you were watching this movie? Or what's the first thing you have to talk about? So I think I kind of have to set the scene. So my wife and I went and saw this movie. And um, I, I really do think that in a horror movie, um, the setting, the environment is critical. I really think it, it makes a difference, e even for just the, the, the mood. And my wife is a total wuss, a total wimp. So we go to the theater, and I don't think it was a packed house. It was, uh, you know, it was it was decent crowd. But she's so terrified of horror movies and is so easily scared that she's clutching my arm, covering her eyes. And I actually think that really, like, it makes it fun. It kind of helps. And, and, and look... As 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 Gene Siskel, legendary, you know, the legendary Gene Siskel said, go to Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween, on a packed house on a Friday night. Don't go during the day. I really do think with these kind of movies, who you're with and who you're around matters. And she, uh, I think, made it uh, even more fun for me. I thought the movie was just jam-packed with suspense. It captivated me. It really uh, caught my interest. It held me the entire time. I think the performances, particularly by Lapito, Lapita, was amazing. I mean, she essentially here is in a dual role, mm -hmm. and you start out with her as just kind of, um, you know, an everyday character who's going to their summer house, who's lived through a traumatic experience, so we think, and then her doppelganger comes along, and even just the voice, yeah. how she sounds, how she looks, how different she carries herself, I thought it was incredible. And um, I really liked that. I think the mood, the tone that it set was eerie, was creepy. And uh, and those were things I really liked about it. So I've got some negatives, but that was things I really enjoyed. With Lupita Nyong'o, I've never seen someone who looks as afraid, but like confidently badass at the same time as her in this movie. So I agree her performance was a highlight. I don't understand how your, your wife was so scared, though, because I wasn't scared a second this entire movie. I was laughing the entire time. It was like a comedy to me. I didn't think it was scary. I didn't think it was suspenseful. I'm not saying... I didn't think it was... Uh, like, everyone in my theater was laughing. How could she possibly be so afraid of this movie? I don't I don't think that it, it's necessarily the, um, like, horrifying images. But I mean, you know, when, when you've tied together sound, when you've tied together action, when you've tied together um, certain elements, it kind of creates that tense moment. And... And I wasn't sitting there laughing the whole time. I, didn't I was. The movie made me laugh. And maybe that wasn't on purpose, but my whole theater was laughing at this movie. Really? I didn't get the suspense. It was almost so... It, it had... 
to me, it had like a corny B movie feel to it at times. When, when, when there, you know, the I don't think it's trying to be a comedy, man. I don't either, but I, I wasn't scared. I was literally laughing at them, like when they're like the tethered weren't creepy to me. Uh, the like it wasn't scary to me. Like it, it was almost yeah. goofy the way that they would like attack people and they would like make weird newses and you have the little weird kid with a bag on his face. Like I didn't think any of it was scary, and I, that doesn't mean that I didn't like the movie i have things i liked about the movie but to mm. me it was more of like almost like a horror comedy and i don't think that was necessarily the point so i'm i, I, I haven't read enough about that end of it but i am almost i'm 99 confident he did not intend this to be funny my whole theater was laughing so do you think that he meant for this to be a, i think there are points when he meant to make maybe here or there yeah but not throughout the entire film no, it wasn't through the entire film, but like points that were supposed to be scary, people, including myself, were laughing. Give me the an example. I, I saw the movie too long ago. I can't remember specific examples, but like there are some times when the bad guys, they make just like funny movements when they're trying to attack someone and they're just like, they almost look like they're possessed, like exorcism style. And I think people were laughing at that. I, I, I'm, this is a case where seeing the movie a month ago yeah. is hurting me because I don't remember the specifics, but let me just say a couple other things I like. Because I did like a lot about this hmm, movie. Okay. Um, but I didn't find it particularly scary. There were some memorable scenes. I particularly liked when Elizabeth Moss was crawling across the floor and she was like bleeding and good vibrations was playing. Okay. That's street. an example yeah. of where there was some kind of weird. Yeah, he was making a lot of juxtapositions. Yes. In I, there. I, okay, I can agree with that. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I, that was maybe one that I that I liked. I loved the symbolism in this movie. Oh, my God. So this is a movie about doppelgangers, right? And I don't know if you noticed this, but repeating patterns are ever-present in this movie. If you look at... Maybe you didn't notice me, you go back and watch. The clothes that the characters are wearing, the wallpaper, the hardwood floor, the shorts that the, the main Winston Duke is wearing, the pictures on the wall, the amusement park rides, like a carousel. Bars are everywhere. There's steps everywhere. The footsteps in the sand. 11-11 keeps showing up. Scissors are a huge thing. Them themselves are a mere image of itself. There's this repeating pattern motif littered throughout this movie. And I absolutely love that because it's clearly symbolic of, you know, the greater concept and the what's actually happening in the movie of that there's doppelgangers attacking doppelgangers. So I love that peel. I don't think that was by accident either to yeah, have. Yeah. Well, no, I think he's intentional with what he's trying to do. Uh -huh. And I Very think, much so. And I think that that's why I the, the fact that you were laughing throughout the whole thing. And look, don't get me wrong. I didn't think it was scary either. But I think when you have someone with you, like my wife, who is like a total wimp and is kind of like jumps every time. She's one of those film watchers who jumps every time there's a... You know, loud knock at the door or something like that. But 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 there are people like that. So your your audience, I don't know. Each audience you have is different. Well, you he, just said it, it. A lot of it happens to do with who you're watching the movie. Yes. With, what environment you're in. Maybe I was laughing because the other people were laughing. It, and and it wasn't like that in my film uh, or in my theater. But here's what I will say though. So uh, we talked about you know some of the things we liked. So I left the movie and I'm thinking, was this over my head? <laughs> Did I not like? Am I just I mean, I studied, you and I studied cinema in college. Am I just not getting it? And so I did something I rarely do uh, before we talk about movies on the pod. I went and read other critic reviews and I realized, no, it's not just me. I'm, I'm not alone in that it, it wasn't over my head. I think that Peel, and, and this is some, something that other actual film critics, professional critics said as well, he had a lot of ideas. Mm -hmm. He did a bad job clearly conveying main themes and main messages. Because at the end of it, I, I was feeling like, man, I really... Get Out, it was a very clear message. The themes, what he was intending to say with the film was obvious. With this, I, I, I've left it thinking, what was he trying to say? <laughs> was it me? But no, but, 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 but that's not the case. Other film critics, again, were like... Yeah, he didn't do a very good job of really hammering home main You points. can tell that he's trying to say something, but what exactly that is seems a bit disjointed. To me, my main takeaways were that he was trying to make some sort of commentary on uh, oppression in the country and sort of how we're trying to hide it and push it to the corner and, 
you know, he, you know, I, I think it has to do with maybe like the darker sides of how people are and how they like to ignore problems that are right there at the doorstep. That was the main thing that I got. And he was making like a critique on, I don't know if it was necessarily race, but maybe like the disenfranchised, poverty-stricken people in America. There was definitely to me, some that broad, seems like yeah. that's what he was going for. There was definitely some broader strokes when it comes to just generically the socioeconomic status. You've mm-hmm. got the tethered and you've got those who have privilege i think there was a pretty heavy themes there but yeah i didn't like you know you felt like he was trying to almost do and say too much and this was a film that i think was better enjoyed on a more surface level because when you try to dive deeper and figure out what it was trying to say i think you had a hard time right and that's for the most part the movie was entertaining like watching watching these people get chased around by their doppelgangers was funny i thought the middle dragged a little bit you could there was a lot of chasing around like a lot it went on for a long time and you can only watch that for so long this is in the 1980s where slasher films are unique and you know cutting edge like (laughs) i've seen so many movies of people getting chased around and they're carrying scissors so i thought the middle was a little repetitive um shit maybe that was the point to be repetitive everything else was repetitive in this movie you know that's kind of maybe that was the theme um so like i said it was it was kind of corny and b movie to me i wish i could remember some more specific details i took these notes a long time time ago um so it was a movie that i thought had some good ideas um the rabbits in the beginning when there's that crazy music going on and he zooms in on the rabbit and then he's going out rabbits of course are are one of the animals that are constantly cloned um so i think that was also another repeating pattern so i like the way this movie was shot it was clearly artfully done jordan peele is clearly a talented director i really want to see um the twilight zone series that he's done um because this guy's clearly got talent i don't know if he executed it quite as well in this one as he did in get out it was a little bit jumbled um, so I ended up giving uh, giving it a 6 out of 10. Okay. I actually ended up giving it a 7 out of 10. I think that I was able to appreciate it on, a again, a more surface-level interpretation. And I think that had he been able to execute and deliver some of the messages and the themes that I think he was intending, I think it could have been even better. All in all, I thought it was a decent follow-up. It was a hard follow-up after Get Out. That film was amazing. But at bottom line, it, it still left me with the impression that he's going to be a successful director. And I think really the broader theme or the broader message here is that he's doing something really important for film and for cinema and for Hollywood as he's giving a platform and an opportunity for African-American actors and actresses. And we don't see many films with African-American uh, leads. You and know, not to mention he's actually making original film. He's creating absolutely. original content. He's not rehashing things. Although we say this as he's doing a Twilight Zone series, but uh, he's coming up with original movies that he's written, so I can appreciate well, that. Well, and I have a lot of black friends who who I think were like ex- really excited to see this. And I think to involve uh, maybe a you know an audience or broaden an audience for film is huge. Like Tyler Perry, I, those aren't I don't count those as like, you know what I mean? Like I think I think what he's doing for society as a whole and diversifying cinema, I think that's big. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. I think he's got a good career ahead even though this was a step back from Get Out. Yeah. And he's going to voice Bunny in Toy Story 4, so there's a plus there. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, check out us. It's it's worth watching. Absolutely. Especially yeah. if you're into horror and thriller movies. All right, moving on to our uh, unofficial featured review, I guess you could call it. Uh, it's one of the most highly anticipated films of all time. Uh, it's the follow-up to the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Avengers Infinity War. It's Avengers Endgame. Uh, this movie is directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. The plot somewhere on IMDb. After the devastating events of Avengers Infinity War, the universe is in ruins. With the help of remaining allies, the Avengers assemble once more in order to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe. This movie stars pretty much everyone in Hollywood, so I'm not going yep. to read them off uh, because we would spend about 10 minutes doing so. You know who they are. Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Chris Evans is Captain America. Uh, Mark Ruffalo's the Hulk. So on and so forth. Um, you know who's in this movie. It's very highly anticipated. It's the 22nd film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and really the culmination of those 22 films that began with Iron Man in 2008. So we could go in many different directions with this. 
Um, but Evan, I'm going to toss it to you. Uh, what do you want to start with? Where do you even start? I mean, <laughs> the really, beginning, maybe. Really, where do you start with a film like this? We have 21 films over 11 years that led up to this movie, and because of that, the time, the effort, the laughs, the tears, the emotions that fans have put into this franchise. Um, the expectations are just huge. And I thought it crushed it. I thought this movie just, just it met my expectations and beyond. This movie, as many in the series did, it, uh, it made me laugh. It made me cheer. It made me fist pump. It almost brought me to tears several times. Um, this movie was incredible. And um, I, I think that I think a good way for me to talk about what I loved about this movie is to talk about what I didn't like about Infinity War. And I really liked Infinity War. But one of my biggest criticisms about Infinity War was you were smacking together a movie with so many characters. I felt it was overstuffed. This movie, because of what Thanos did in Infinity War, you're left with half of the Avengers. Um, half of the characters we've come to love. But you're left with the original six Avengers. Okay. You're left with Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man. You're left with Captain America, Hulk, Thor, Black Widow, and Hawkeye. They all remained after Thanos snapped his fingers in the previous film, and that was intentional. I think the Russo brothers wanted us to have time to spend individually with each of these characters, each of these original six, and we got moments with all of them. Yeah. And it was incredible. And, and, and that was, that's was that been a constant criticism of mine with these films is that we don't get those moments with the characters we've come to know and love. And in this case, we don't need to spend time with with Spider-Man or Doctor Strange or, uh, or Black Panther. We're, they're going to get their movies. This is it for the original six. And we got those moments. And that's just really the beginning of what you could talk about. Yeah, well, I, I think a way to sort of sum that up and kind of what you were saying is the emotional depth of this film yeah. is incredible. I mean, they the way they really take the time to explore how the tragedy of the previous film has affected these people. Um, and I think that's so important because it reinforces them as people as well as the superheroes they are. You know, it's, it's the focus on being a human in a story that's filled with superheroes, wizards, witches, cosmic beings. You know, the, the heart of those original six characters, and, and even Nebula and Rhodey and some other ones, yeah. is really the core of this film. And we see, particularly throughout the first act of this movie, how what has happened in the previous film was affecting people. You know, Thor has turned into an overweight alcoholic who's, uh, you know, kind of just distanced himself from yeah. the world. You know, Barton has uh, done it with rage because his family's disappeared. He's, he's just killing people. You know, uh, Black Widow is lonely. She has Her only life has been, you know... She, she's, at, she's at Avengers headquarters. Right, because she know. has nothing else to do. You know, Tony is reluctant to return because he's what he's losing. A child. He, he's, it's actually worked out well for him. And yeah. Because of the scenario he was left in, out in space, he's reluctant to give it back, and he's almost given up. Um, I think it was super smart to start the movie with Barton, uh, Jeremy Renner's character, Hawkeye. He's not someone that we saw last uh, last movie, and I knew the second they started with him that his, someone in his family was going to disintegrate into dust. I didn't think it would be his whole family. Um, but that was just a really powerful way to start the movie before we even see the title card because it, it, it makes us really feel the impact of what Thanos has done. And that's really the, the hallmark of the first act of this movie is really making us feel and put us at a level of, of sadness that these characters are in. And that makes us even care more about when they start to fight back. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, you don't need, I think... Um... To, to, to do a whole lot um, beyond what they did in terms of, of realizing the devastation of this world. I mean, we get a, an overhead shot of City Field where the Mets play that is 
empty and grow, you know, overgrown and ravaged. I mean, that's what it looks like in August too. But. <laughs> <laughs> wow, any Mets fans out there? Probably none, but you know, because the Tigers are doing real well. But uh, but 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 no, I think that they they did a, a good job in creating that world, and and you know, we end up getting five years after, of course. Yeah, Thanos. didn't expect. Did you expect the time jump? Because I did. I didn't. I didn't either. Um, no, I didn't. But uh, when we realize kind of where the other characters have been, it makes a little more sense mm-hmm. in that, you know, they don't they don't realize that all that time has passed. But um, it's actually a, a, a bit of a criticism I'll have a little bit later on. But it sounds like you kind of want to take this in stages of the film. Might as well. It's, yeah. a, it's a three-hour movie. I think it's it maybe just a little bit easier. I mean, yeah. um, just... You know, I don't know if there's anything else that you wanted to, to say in the first part. But. No, I mean, I, again, I just, I, as I touched on originally, I think that uh, what it did um, so well compared to Infinity War is it gave us time and moments and emotion with, again, the original six. The ones that we know aren't going to continue on in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a, a big part of that emotion and those moments we had with them is seeing what their lives have been like. Mm-hmm. You're right. I mean, Tony has got a family now. Uh, Captain America, he's stuck trying to fix what went wrong. That's his life. We see him leading, like, support <laughs> help groups. Even though he's the most messed up out of all of them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but we do, but, but you know, when we see the Hulk, he's managed to, you know, yes. he provided a lot of comedy. He um, looked amazing. Like, that animation oh, yeah. was incredible. Uh, I will, since we ha- have planned to talk about this a little bit, what, what did you think about the character arc for the Hulk and Thor? Because they... They were kind of presented as comedy for this film, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think it makes sense to show, show someone who's turned to alcohol. I mean, Thor arguably has lost more than anyone mm-hmm. um, in this entire series. He's lost his entire home of Asgard. He's lost his mother. He's lost his brother Loki. He's lost Jane Foster. I mean, that he, he has suffered at the hands of Thanos and the forces of evil in the world more than anyone, arguably. But he's so, used for comedic effect he is i mean you need to have comedy absolutely you need to have that in there i just think i think it'd be interesting to hear what chris hemsworth thought about his character i actually saw him uh this was his idea actually was it really yeah i actually read an an interview it was his idea to make do this to thor um and thor is a character that we might see still in the mcu yeah that's true that's true so um you know he's uh i think it makes sense for his character turn um the hulk you know, uh, same thing. He's he's almost embraced yeah. the big man in this movie. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I think that it it makes sense. I think but, but I do, but to, anyway, broader point is I do think it's good that we got to spend time with all of them, see where they've gone and right. how they, far they've come or not come right. over those five years. So the middle part of the film is when they go on this time heist. They decide that they have to... Uh, the only way to stop Thanos is to basically figure out time travel and go back and get all the stones and recreate their own gauntlet and and reverse what has happened basically this is the part of the movie that while i enjoyed watching it's where i had the most gripes because it kind of requires some suspension of belief even for a superhero movie banner and tony stark basically invent or figure out time travel like this like the snap of thanos's fingers they they figure out time travel and then not only do they figure out time travel they figure out a way to which they can harness the force and go back to specific points in time and in different parts of the universe. I know this is a comic book movie based on comic books, um, but even that felt a little bit like cheating within the course of the plot. And I know we have to go back and do this somehow uh, to reverse what Thanos has done. I always felt like time travel was, you could tell by the trailers that that was going to be involved. There's a thing called the time stone. So we kind of knew this was going to happen. But it felt a little bit like cheating to me. That's one of my major gripes, is the way they actually got to where they got to is, seems a little bit too convenient. My biggest complaint of the entire film <laughs> was time travel. Yeah. And, and look, any time a film tackles time travel, and they even joked here that they weren't going to address it in the way that Back to the Future does, <laughs> where what you do now... So, ba- so basically... They call themselves ra- out. Yeah, rather than, rather than have a past that affects the future... The, the the way they deal with time travel in the MCU here is they deal with different timelines, right? right. They deal alternate with realities, alternate realities, different timelines where different things take place. Um, what I think is interesting about time travel in this film, um, and what I, one of my biggest criticisms is 
if you think too hard about it, there is a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I was able to forgive them of that because I love this movie mm. for the most part. But afterwards, I did a little bit of reading and some of the theories and some of the, the thoughts of where things would be at points and times. I mean, one of the trips they go back, Loki escapes with the Tesseract. Yeah. And that's, you know, but that's a, a, a an alternate universe and reality that maybe they'll use some time in the future. But there's so many, there's so many kind of like plot holes and issues and problems whenever you deal with time travel. And I kind of elected to, as I was watching the movie, just let it slide. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was able to really love this movie. But if you go back afterwards and look at it, you'll notice there's a lot that didn't quite make sense. Well, and to be fair, in the comics, there's a lot of different incarnations and realities and mm -hmm. sort of different things that are happening simultaneously. So maybe it was a little owed to that. But that was really my only gripe of the entire movie. Uh, similarly to the last film, I think the writers did a great job giving every character something important to do or at least their time to briefly be in the spotlight. You know, uh, you know, Hulk got... And you could tell uh, within the script and screenplay... That the characters that they did make survive, it was carefully thought out. You mentioned it's the original six, but the other characters too. It's to fit within the plot of this story, right? I mean, um, you know, like like Nebula, who is at best a side character. She is a massively important character in this story. First, in knowing where to find the present day Thanos, and then how things sort of go sideways in the in the new timeline. You know, uh, so she had a big a big role in this movie, which I didn't expect. You know, Holt put on the gauntlet. He even, in the original, he's like, I even said, I felt like I was made for this. You know, of course, Cap and Iron Man, so they have these impactful moments when they go back in time. You know, Black Widow sacrifices herself. Um, so, and I think that fits because her arc was pretty much over. Her, her upcoming standalone film is going to be in the past. Um, so I just think it was masterfully constructed the way that oh, they made these characters together. You needed Ant-Man to yeah, Ant -Man. continue forward the, the the time travel element of it. Mm -hmm. And I, and I agree. And what I liked uh, is, is this movie, especially once you got into the second half, it delivered awesome moment after awesome moment after awesome moment. And I wanted to... Um, talk about what I did like with what they did with time travel. I mean, we had some great moments. I mean, we had, uh, to you mentioned, Thor lost his mom. Thor gets to see his mom again. Uh, Tony Stark gets to kind of in a weird way make amends with his father. Uh, Captain America gets to see his love again, yep. um, which ends up becoming his motivation at the end of the film. And we got you know, a get, I mean, young Michael Douglas we get to see at S.H.I.E.L.D. We get yeah, to see it was awesome. Tilda Swinton shows up and she's in possession of the... I know you didn't see... Uh, um, Doctor Strange was one of the few you didn't yeah. see, but she's a big character in that. Yeah. And she's in possession of the time zone, which makes sense. And the reason that she gives it to Hulk makes sense. So yeah. I love the camera. I just thought it was great that they were able to... They were able to use the time travel element to bring characters together in a really unique way, and that kept happening, and I just thought, ah, it's perfect because you know some of these characters, they're, again, their character arc is coming to an end. Right. This movie was really a celebration of what the MCU has been. It felt like that, you know. That was exemplified by the credits at the end, where literally everyone was credited and introduced. Well, then um, they had, yeah, and then and they, they had the, the, the original six. They gave full-fledged... Right, they signed their autographs absolutely. and stuff. That was cool. And also the fact that in this movie, we literally go back through the MCU mm -hmm. within the plot of the film, which is amazing when you're celebrating this achievement that you had, you know. Um, That's a good way to put it, because that was kind of what I was trying to say in terms of, I thought they, despite the flaws with time travel, they used it masterfully. You're right. We almost revisited movies piece by piece as our heroes are going back in time. That was brilliant. Right. So we we get they get all the stones they they reverse what happened but then Thanos attacks in the in the new timeline yeah and it sets up this epic epic battle uh, Captain America is basically standing there one against an army I'm gonna destroy your planet Thanos says now he says he's gonna wipe out the whole universe instead of just half of it um, so things aren't looking good and then uh, Falcon says Cap on your left through the thing which is a callback to when they first met each other and Captain America's constantly lapping him on his left, which I love, and then they all show up. And and Captain America says, Avengers assemble. And it's literally every single character, oh, every single army that we've ever seen 
and they start charging at each other. It was so awesome. It was one of the most badass scenes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, you know, it was awesome. And and again, I I really thought that I, I can't hammer this point home enough. I really thought that it was wise to bring some of those characters in at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I, I again we're going to have time with them. And the new, I, mostly the guys who are gonna carry yes, on. I loved that because because devoting time to them earlier in the film would have taken away time that we would have had with some of our favorite characters. And what have I said when we, we've talked about films with me, you, and Sam? How many films have we talked about? I mean, who is who have I always said is my favorite? I mean, Iron Man, Tony Stark. You and, and almost everyone else. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you are a Cap guy, I right? Still love you Cap, are a yeah. Cap guy. But I love Iron Man, and I think that both Iron Man and Captain America, their character arcs are brilliant. Mm-hmm. And obviously Tony, with the most epic line, one of the most epic lines in all of film, you know, that he ends the original Iron Man admitting, I am Iron Man. And he, he ends it in this film, snaps his finger. The, and, the whole MCU quite literally begins and ends with Iron Man. Yes, yes. He gave the ultimate sacrifice, which is just amazing. Well, yeah, and that, that, that's his character. We've been building... Tony Stark has, you know, you know, a, a character arc is only a character arc if a the, the character goes through a physical or emotional change. And his is brilliant. We've seen from film to film, he goes from this selfish, self-centered, you know, tech genius, and we've seen all that he's done and how far he's come. And I'll, I'm not gonna lie, I was. A little, a little surprised that he died because he did have a family. He did have, obviously, Pepper, his wife, and a young daughter. Um, but when, as it was happening, it was perfect. Yeah. And, and it, obviously, that was the moment where I was nearly brought to tears because, again, I love Iron Man. But it was in a perfect way to end his, you know, his his story within the MCU. And the same with Cap, who they you do and they don't make him die, but they send him back to give the stones back, and he decides he wants to live a life with. Yeah. Uh, Peggy Carter, which is a different way of writing him out of the series because he said he's not playing Captain America anymore. And he passes the shield on to Falcon, who, which I think is awesome. Yeah. that's he, he would be a great, you know, so Captain America, we're probably still going to see him in the MCU. It'll just be Falcon being him. Well, it's, it's accurate to the comic books. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and again, there were some, there were some questions people have about, you know, okay, the time travel, wait, if he went back, what about other Cap? So, again, I don't want to do that too much, because when you do that, I think it takes away from the film. And, and for the most part, I'm I'm kind of forgiving them of the time travel sins that any any director or filmmaker goes through with time travel. But all in all, man, I mean, I love this movie. I thought it was just, as I said when we started this, I thought it exceeded my expectations, which were sky high. And like I said, I think they actually do set it up interesting, you know, because one of my biggest things was, how are they going to have the MCU without... Black Widow, without Captain America, without Iron Man. And I think they actually did set it up to, you know, Thor's joining the Guardians. I think they can do some interesting things with that. You know, obviously, you have Sam Wilson's going to be the new Captain America. Um, You know, you have Doctor Strange. You have Black Panther. You have a lot of characters that are still out there that you can do some things with. Are you still, you know, Spider-Man is obviously the next movie coming out. Are you still excited about the MCU even after all this? I am, yeah. Well, okay, so I uh, kind of kept track along the way. I have missed... Uh, three films that I still need to see. I never saw Spider-Man, the original. I never saw Doctor Strange, and I actually never saw Ant-Man, which I was told I should have seen to help understand this. But, but Ant-Man I can, and the Wasp or Ant-Man? Ant-Man and the Wasp, sorry. I've seen the original Ant-Man. But I know Ant-Man and the Wasp yeah, because, kind of because Paul Rudd's character, it's right after. And I kind of figured, right I figured that. that out as it was going along. But, um, yeah, I'm excited. They've got some great characters. So, I mean, maybe they'll do something more with Black Panther. Maybe they'll do something more with Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah. I did think this at one point, though. I'm like, is Captain Marvel not... By far the most badass, powerful of all of them. Like they make she a point. Everyone's they, they, they make a point about four times. Be like, well, where have you been? Why are you here all the time? I'm doing this at every planet around the galaxy. She's so stronger they, than everybody. They else clearly combined. justify like, oh, come on, where have you been the whole time? You know. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, amazing achievement of a film, and and you mentioned it. Twenty two film, twenty one films leading up to this. Expectations sky high, um, and and they. They met him. Amazingly. Amazingly. They met him. So I give this a 9 out of 10. Like we've said before, I don't give 10 out of 10s. If I did, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. Um, But I I think it goes without saying, 
remarkable achievement of a movie. Um, really, the MCU in general is something unlike anything we've seen before, and something really, if you haven't invested in watching all the movies, I totally would recommend doing it because it, they are really are a great collection yeah. of films. Just see, as I mean, I've seen nineteen, and that's been enough to appreciate nineteen out of the twenty-two. It's it's amazing. I give it a nine out of ten as well, and I'm just like you. I don't give tens, and if I would. If I did, I would have given this a 10. Um, so we both loved it. I, I do think, you know, I think it's important to, to say, though, they're not going to do this again. You're never going to have 21 films that precede something epic like this. However they do move forward with the MCU, I don't know. I'll still be interested. But I think it's important for us to acknowledge this is never happening again. No. No. For sure. I mean, this is this is unlike something we've ever seen before. Yeah. So... Uh, definitely, it will def be interesting to see where it goes, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll they'll figure out a way. They say yeah. they have ideas for films up till 2028. So, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. We'll see. Anyways, that's our review of Avengers: uh, Endgame. Obviously, a movie that's getting a lot of uh, positive feedback. Amazing. I would like to see the Academy suck it up and actually give this movie a Best Picture nomination. It probably won't happen, but uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe. If any, so. if any superhero movie's going to get, I know Black Panther did, so uh, maybe the door has been kicked open, but definitely check it out. Anyways, that, that's going to be all we talk about here on our return episode. It's good to be back. Yeah. We will try not to have a another month gap in between pods. Uh, lots of good movies still coming out. Detective Pikachu is out in theaters. That's something I'm excited to see. Uh, lots of other big movies coming out. Your Star Wars around Christmas. Really stoked about that. we got to get you caught up on Star Wars before then. Oh, boy. Um, you know, all the Disney movies you mentioned yeah. and, and plenty more. So uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email. Uh, you can listen to our old episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, but, Evan, until then, appreciate you being here. Of course. So, until then, we'll see you at the movies.